yourself with this comic book podcast. Keep safe. We're talking about two old, two new comic books on a podcast. Two old and two new comic books. Welcome to Two Old, Two New. My name is Bill Beer, also known as Gotham Knight 13 on Twitter. And joining me as always is Seth Howard. Hello. Howdy. How's it good going, day. Seth? <laughs> Uh, it's going. It's going well. That's good. That's good. Well. Yeah. So uh, if you're joining us for the first time here on Too Old, Too New, we always review two old comic books and two new comic books every episode. It's uh, sort of a review, sort of just us talking about books that we really enjoy. Yeah, it's a kind of a different format. I mean, really, we talk about, you know, a book that we like from when we were younger or we'll pick up an old one or a new one and how we like the storyline going on right now. So it's slash review slash discussion, I guess, you know, yeah, and we, but, we I mean, don't yeah. do something that we v- oh. dislike a lot because that's no, <laughs> that's no fun. Well, I mean, I could go on and on about some stuff I don't like, but you guys don't want to hear that. Right, right. So <laughs> I just noticed when I introduced the show, you know, too old, too new, I stick uh-huh. two fingers up each time. But it nice. Nobody else can see. Although, that. if you're in England, isn't that like flipping somebody off? It, it's possible. So, if we have any listeners from England, Bill is not flipping you off. <laughs> he's, he's just telling you it's too old, new. And too new. Otherwise, he's double flipping you the bird, and we apologize. So. <laughs> we haven't done this in a while. I'm pretty excited just, uh, with one of the books that I have. Oh, we were supposed to read some stuff, huh? Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I got plenty. <laughs> Plenty of stuff I've been reading, so. Why don't we get this started? You want to go right. first? Uh, sure. And, you know, I always forget. Do we do our old or our new one we first? We kind of mix it up, so. That's what I thought, yeah. So uh, let's start with uh, our old ones, I guess. Okay. You know why? Because um, um, a while back, this was the one I got for an episode that we didn't do. And um, so I thought I'd get it. It's pretty sweet. So basically what it is is uh, when I was a kid, before I was just mainly uh, DC, we've talked about this in the past, I actually used to read Ghost Rider. And uh, this is Ghost Rider number 29, so from September, goes all the way back to, oh, what year did we got here? 1992. So I'd say I was a kid, but I was a freshman in high school this time, so yeah. <laughs> around this time. Um, but basically, it's uh, guest starring Wolverine and Beast. Great cover by uh, Andy Kubert and uh, Joe Kubert, so uh, wonderful uh, cover. So old school Ghost Rider, um, what I mainly read when I was a kid. You but know, isn't this the the second Ghost Rider? The yeah, this is the second one. Yeah, this yeah. is the they reintroduced him. Gosh, I should have researched that. Maybe two, three years previous to that. Maybe I think because I remember reading Ghost Rider when I was in junior high, and uh, yeah, so it's not the original Ghost Rider, but it's a the second iteration of uh, or the uh, not the Nicolas Cage version also. So no, right. <laughs> so, uh, but basically. If you've read any Ghost Rider, he's just one of those guys that is, uh, can I use the word badass? I mean, that's sure. how I describe Ghost Rider. So um, so this issue starts off with, uh, I, I've always loved the beginning of Ghost Rider there. When innocent blood is spilled, a spirit of vengeance is born, and Danny Ketch finds himself transformed. Stan Lee presents Ghost Rider. So, and I'm trying to remember who was the first name of the first Ghost Rider. Wasn't it Johnny, not Johnny Blaze, but it was something yeah. along the lines of that, wasn't it? Oh, it was Johnny Blaze. Yeah. Or, Okay, good. So, yeah, this is the second one. I mean, one. the Ghost Rider that I remember, if it was somebody previous to that, then I didn't read it. I have no idea. Who right, yeah. And so 
I back in the day, I actually had the first issue of the relaunch of Ghost Rider. Actually, I should have known issue 29. Yeah, that would have been almost three years before that. So uh, when it came out, they kind of you know did a restart on Ghost Rider, and I actually had the restart run. You know, I I read it for years, and then I just stopped. I can't remember why, but anyway, basically what happens as you're reading through the story is uh, first thing up, there's a group of guys holding Ghost Rider. You know, he's got his helmet on. You know, one guy's holding him. Then there's a shotgun pointed at his face. The guy next to him has got a knife at his throat. Basically, they're getting robbed. You know, he goes, um, it's nighttime in Connecticut. Uh, seaside that once was a major fishing port. The oceans have been uh, overfished. The fishermen are gone and the town is dying. So um, it's kind of funny. It says Seaside Motel. I live near a town called Seaside, Oregon now. So okay. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. Um, and basically it says, uh, now I want the rest of your cash. So they're being held up. And then I want the one, uh, this one's leather, meaning Ghost Rider's coat. The guy with Ghost Rider says, this is a mistake. He's like, I gave you the five bucks you asked for. You know, just kind of all freaking out. And all of a sudden, uh, Ghost Rider's uh, helmet explodes. Uh, he gets shot in the face by the shotgun. The helmet explodes. And here he comes out as Ghost Rider and just takes the guys down. And uh, the story is called Biting the Hand That Feeds You. So the story is written by Howard Mackey. Uh, Andy Kubert penciled it. Joe Kubert inked it all. So obviously, if Andy Kubert's art is uh, amazing. So same with his dad. So old school classic comic look. Uh, and basically... Uh, Ghost Rider gave him a stare, you know, how he incapacitates him, basically. And the guy with him says, why did you give them the stare? No innocent blood was spilled. He says, no innocent blood was spilled here, but their scent reeked of it. So talking to his partner, uh, the guy says, I got to go get some sleep. You know, I'll sleep. Um, you need sleep. We all need, we all, we, la, la, la. you will need all the strength. If we were to stop Lilith, I require no rest, only vengeance. So basically, Ghost Rider heads out, meets up, and all of a sudden, look, there is, um, Wolverine and the Beast, who are kind of tracking down Ghost Rider, find out about him, so forth. This is the middle of an ongoing storyline, though. So the main reason I picked out this one was because the cover art. If you look it up, and I know you're going to post it on our Facebook page and our Twitter, the cover is amazing. So, but it's a middle storyline where, um, basically, uh, in the wealthier section of the town, the home office of Penner Security Associates, uh, there's another guy in there talking about how, um, you're supposed to be protecting us basically. And there's a stuff going on. How do we stop it? And, uh, there's a guy there, uh, agent X is in it. So he talks to the guy who's basically paying him off about keeping, you know, the security agency, keeping us safe from our ongoings basically. Uh, and then agent X leaves and he enters a townhouse Turk and snare a couple of, uh, totally early nineties looking bad guys. Mr. Penner, uh, was a security guy, but, Sorry, let me go back. The guy Agent X was talking to is Mr. Penner, the head of a business. Agent X makes an offer, say, hey, for this much, and they say no. And so uh, the guy's talking about how we go independent. And they're basically just going to go through and terrorize uh, the city um, for themselves. Um, trying to think what else in here. Without knowing the whole story, without going through all of it, what it ends up being is this, though, is Ghost Rider goes to take him on, um, Agent X and these two guys. And um, he gets kind of trapped by them, but all of a sudden Wolverine and Beast show up and they basically just obliterate him uh, throughout the whole fight. Goes back and forth at the end of it. Uh, where's that one part at? There's this awesome part on it here. Let me see. So he drops him down. He's going to kill him. You must feel the pain of the innocent woman who died by your hands tonight talking to Penner and then they killed the woman earlier. Your companions will be left to phys will be left to the physical pain. I don't know if that's going to be good enough for me, Mr. Ghost Rider, because Wolverine wants to kill him. 
And Ghost Rider's like, nope, we're not going to kill him. We just want to leave him with the pain. And Beast says, you're losing it, Wolverine. Mind your own business, Beast. There's something I've got to do. And uh, he yells out Dan because Wolverine's just going nuts because he wants to kill the guys. Wolverine, uh, Ghost Rider shows back up, and he's trying to still discover who he is, really. Because when he talks to Wolverine, you know, what will happen to you? And he goes, that remains to be seen. I know so little of my past and so little of who I am. And then Wolverine says, I know the feeling. Beast says to him, you okay, Logan? Yeah, Hank, I got my answer. Ghost Rider's been through something recently that has really changed him from the guy I thought we fought. I fought side, side with, fought with side by side. Sorry, I have a sinus infection, so uh, my medicine and stuff, it's hard to read, apparently. <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm seeing the words but not pronouncing them right. And then I could hear myself just, like, dragging. Wolverine tells Beast he's working for the same reason we are, which is vengeance. And Wolverine then says, why do we do what we do? It ain't the money and fame like these next wave kids are looking for. Come on, Hank, old buddy. Let me buy you a brew all wax poetic and tell you about the real reason Professor X had you follow me up here. And then all of a sudden, they're out in front of the uh, security place from the original guy, Mr. Penner. He runs out trying to – wants to hire them for protection, basically. That's the end of it. Really, the whole issue is three guys who want to destroy the city because a guy didn't want to pay him. Ghost Rider happens to be there because he's a spirit of vengeance and because uh, he's out trying to discover himself. At that time, the Wolverine and uh, Beast are following him, trying to get more information about him. Because, again, this is still three, two and a half years into the new Ghost Rider. But it's a really cool fight action sequence. And, again, like I said, really, if you look at the cover, it's just a classic Kubert cover uh, on there. Through the longer storyline, I did go back and read. It's it's really good. This whole this run is about, gosh, it was nine comics, I think. That kind of leads to this issue, then a couple after that. So, Because um, I went back and read all those. But this is one I picked out of the box just because of the art on it. So if my explanation isn't that great this time, I apologize. I'm under the influence of medication. So, <laughs> But yeah, so it was just kind of one of those issues to see Wolverine and Ghost Rider fight alongside each other, you know. Which is cool uh, as anything. It's awesome. So you get two guys who really are badasses and um, – yeah, and with Beast in there, too. So the bad guys, like I said, they're just kind of a throwaway early 90s style like we get in any comics still. It's like, well, let's create a bad guy just for this storyline, and that's what you get. But really, it's more of a story about how Ghost Rider's moving on, trying to find more out about himself, you know. So um, back when you have a longer storyline, but it's also contained into a single issue. So you could pick it up and go, okay, here's just an adventure in a sense. We know it's a part of a bigger part, but you can read it as a standalone also, and, which I do, which I do appreciate. So, and also back when ghost rider had a motorcycle and not a car. Yeah. Yeah. When they switched to the car thing, it was one of those like, that doesn't make sense. Uh, he should always have a motorcycle. I remember, if I'm remembering correctly from when I was a kid and I'd have to look it up, this ghost rider found the motorcycle and that's, we touched the gas cap on okay, the motorcycle. Yeah. yeah. That's what went into ghost rider. So if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure I'm remembering correctly, but that's that. So, uh, which is pretty cool. So, um, I should have to, I should go back and take a peek at that issue one again and check it out. So, but this was from the time when I was reading ghost rider, Spider-Man, I was reading Batman already because obviously Batman 89, <laughs> the movie. Uh, and also I was reading, um, which will be for next week is an old, uh, Mobius. So, okay. <laughs> which there was a bunch of crossovers between ghost Rider and Mobius, yeah. which were always pretty sweet. So I did pick up an old Mobius to go through. So, and, uh, I almost bought a Mobius action figure the other day at my comic shop. They had one. I was like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> 
So, yeah, but that's my comic. So, again, uh, Ghost Rider number 29 from 1992. So, yeah, very great cool. cover. I yeah. didn't read a lot of Marvel back then. Uh, Ghost Rider, yeah. I did I did read for a little bit. I don't what, – what issue was that again? Nine. Number nine, yeah. I think I read through like 20-some. 20, 20 yeah. But it, it seemed like they – Wolverine seemed – if I remember correctly, he was in with Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider, Ghost Rider must have been in – the X-Men book two at one point, if I recall correctly. They had a couple yeah, of crossovers know. like that. They might have, because this was the time he was doing a lot of crossover stuff, because they had just relaunched him, really. So they were they were trying to get him, get him out there. So I remember then that they released a couple of foil covers, too. Um, so, yeah, this is where, again, me as a little kid in little Deerfield, Kansas, I would go to the local IGA uh, and buy my comics, and Ghost Rider was one of them. <laughs> so, Very cool. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Was that like a drugstore? Uh, the IGA was a little grocery store. Uh, okay. Husband and his wife owned it. He was the butcher. She did the books and was the cashier. And, um, yeah, it was uh, groceries. You could rent your videos there. Uh, it had a magazine. Uh, Andy. A little you bit know, of just everything. Like a, yeah, you know, the store is closed now. It's now a, a fun center, like a community center for the teenagers back home, which is really cool. Um, but, yeah, it was uh, it was pretty cool because that's where I first started buying my comics. So yeah. That's cool. Very cool. Too old or old. (laughs) (laughs) Too old. Get too old for this stuff. No. (laughs) (laughs) Never. Never. My issue is Batman. Are you surprised already? No, no. Batman Volume 1. I have to say Volume 1. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Batman Volume 1, Issue 321, has a cover date of March 1980. And this is one of my favorite covers of all time. On this cover, there's a little banner on the side under the DC logo, and it says, you are cordially invited to the Joker's birthday party. Yeah. And on the cover is this big cake shaped like his face, and then you have uh, Robin, Batman, Alfred, and Commissioner Gordon tied to stakes that are burning, and the Joker's there and says, you're all welcome to watch the fireworks. (laughs) <laughs> so good so that's l- done by it's written by lynn ween the mm-hmm. artist or walt simons dick giordano and then the colorist is also ween it looks like it might have been some relation to lynn it's glennis yeah so and the cover was done by jose luis garcia lopez that wasn't a uh giordano cover he just did the inks i looked it up right now just to see the oh, okay. cover okay okay yeah, it yeah. doesn't it doesn't list the cover but yeah that's possible but if you want it, you can get it for $389 in a 9.8 condition. So Yeah. <laughs> I'm good. Good. So, I love that cover, man. That cover is awesome. Oh. So I we start this book, and Commissioner Gordon gets an invitation uh, to a birthday party, and it's like, Dear Gordy, you're, you're invited to the Joker's birthday party tomorrow evening. And he says, Can you believe the nerve of that guy? And he's throwing the invitation and and uh, the the surrounding police officers are laughing of course they're laughing themselves to death and the joker comes in he basically takes uh commissioner gordon kidnaps commissioner gordon there is an appearance of the joker mobile the joker car i don't know what you call it but it's just a big it's it's a car that's triangular and it has like a <laughs> see-through dome with the Joker face on the front. It's so cool. What's better, what's better than that? And the Joker 
looks like Jack Nicholson from the Batman movie. Yeah. He has the purple hat, purple gloves. He has the almost identical outfit. So Batman comes in and tries to save the day, but Joker escapes. Joker apparently dresses up as a damsel in distress and uh, gets the upper head of Robin, uh, who's on his little Robin motorcycle, and takes him out. So one by one, he's going around and is taking out uh, everybody that's close to Batman. So the next is Alfred. He has a little interaction with Selina Kyle, and he uses the old, you know, bouquet that turns into a punching bag. You ever had one of those? You ever had one of those? You know, I gave one to my uh, prom date my senior year of high school. No. <laughs> so she gets knocked out. She was actually with Alfred. She gets knocked out by the boxing glove. You see everybody the Joker has tied up that uh, Batman cares about. And then there's a little interaction that's that's kind of funny between a, one of Joker's goons and the Joker. And he says to his uh, henchman, Sidney. He says, I don't hear you laughing, Sydney. Oh, geez, boss. I'm sorry. I guess I forgot. You gotta love this 80s dialogue. Oh my gosh. You're about so to good. forget how to breathe as well. So he's pointing this gun at his goon and he, he's begging for his life. He pulls the trigger and at the end, a little, uh, flag comes out. It says, bang, you're dead. And the guy says, whew, I thought for a second that was a real gun. And then he pushes the trigger again and the flag shoots him. out. And he says it was a spear gun. So you see the guy laying there with the flag in his head. Oh, my gosh. In Gotham, apparently the big thing that's going on during that week is they're having a Harlequin Bakery show at the new Seaside Coliseum. Of course, it's sold out. Everybody wants a ticket (laughs) to go to the Harlequin Bakery show. That's right. And he gasses the crowd. I don't know exactly what happens to the crowd, but he gasses the crowd. And then you see up on stage, he reveals the big birthday cake, the Joker birthday cake. Now it has like probably close to a dozen people on little candles and then a big candle on top. And it doesn't show who everybody is, but it says he's going to end the lives of the Joker's greatest. And he says, save your applause for the finale. So he's getting ready to push this little button to incinerate everybody, and Batman shows up. And he basically tells him, if you don't climb on this big candle at the top, he says, I'm going to kill everybody. So he gets up there, he ties him up. Oh, actually, Batman hits some kind of trigger on the candle and shoots himself up. (laughs) He's going to hit the little button to incinerate everybody else. But he escapes before the candle blew up or... It doesn't actually show an explosion. It says Batman explodes into action and he gets away. And in midair, he throws. This is up in the air. So this is very believable. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) He's up in the air and he throws a couple batarangs. And the way the the trigger mechanism worked, it had like, you know, in the old death trap days, they'd light a, a string and it would light across the string to reach to the dynamite. And the batarang met the uh, string before it detonated. So everybody escaped. And the Joker is trying to get away. And, of course, the Joker is really original about escaping. And he heads to the dock and jumps on his boat to get away. And <laughs> this is the fuck. Uh. He takes his bat rope 
and launches it onto the motor, and he's skiing behind him. Yes. He's skiing behind him, and he catches <laughs> up to the boat, and they're fighting, and the boat looks like it's going out of control and headed towards some rocks, and, and Batman is uh, falling out of the boat, and he says, here, Joker, I'll save you, and he, he holds on to Joker's hand, and Joker starts laughing, and he, see, he says, see, it's the old phony hand-up-the-sleeve gag, and then the boat hits a rock and blows up, and of course, the Joker is dead. Nobody could be <laughs> and, found. And they right? say at the end, do you really think he's gone this time, Batman, Commissioner Gordon? Uh, says, Believe me, Commissioner, I'd like to think so, but in my hearts of hearts, I doubt it. But how many times has he died like that? Uh, so many, it's a trope. <laughs> but, you know, I laugh, make fun of a lot of things, but this is this is fun stuff. Right, yeah. Here's the thing with comics. Like, I love these old stories like this. Why? Because they don't take themselves too serious. Now, and this coming from someone who loves the dark and gritty Batman, sometimes it's fun to have a story just like this, you know? And it's it's awesome. I mean, look at it. You go from, like, the Joker when he kills Jason uh, Jason Todd and Death of the Family. What's the next storyline? Do you remember? Uh, after Death in the Family. Uh, yeah. Not off the top of my head. He becomes an, an ambassador of Iraq. Oh, yeah, remember? yeah. Right. <laughs> so it goes from this. So he has diplomatic immunity. <laughs> so yes. it goes from a dark and gritty story where Jason Todd dies to, oh, the Joker is now an ambassador <laughs> of Iraq. And he speaks at the United Nations. So <laughs> Right. That's during the, the story to death. Of oh, oh, yeah, it's during it. Yeah, that's what it is. But he's got the diplomatic. So you get. You know, these stories that are so far-fetched, but the great thing about it is is it's a comic book and it's enjoyment. You know, it's that escapism where we actually get to enjoy reading the comic. So that's awesome. And <laughs> you get where the old 66 TV show, mm -hmm. people think it's a spoof. But yeah. that's what were comics were back then. Yeah, yes, it reading... was a spoof, but yeah. you read the comics and, and there is a lot in there that that – that's how they were written. That's yeah. what the dialogue was. Now, you know, you get into some things like the bat phone and different things like that. And my yeah. history on old Batman comics is not the greatest, so I don't know if that kind of thing ever showed up, or I'm sure something like it did at one point if you get back to the early issues. And Oh, yeah, the Golden Age was a ton of that stuff because, again, it was pure escapism. You know, look how many – there were a lot of stories where Batman went into space. You know, or things like that. So you're you're dealing with this escapism. We're just writing a comic to entertain you, you know, so which is great. So, yep. Yep. So awesome. <laughs> I, I love the cover on that, though. Yes, that it is great. Amazing. It's one of my favorite ones. So I just sent you an image of the the Joker mobile that you were talking about. <laughs> it's in your uh, your messenger. You'll see it. It's awesome. So oh, okay. you should post that one up, too. Well, good. Good comic. So. I was looking at like my old Batman, what I have as far as going back that far. And I've got a couple that are, you know, before that, but I want to find that issue now just because of the cover. <laughs> so yeah, I actually uh, bought it on comiXology when it was a dollar. It was 99 cents. Nice. nice. You know, I sort of wait till those old issues go on sale. And Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. All right. So for now, the, the new comics, this one was kind of tough because I've been getting a ton of uh, Rebirth because I wanted to get all the first issues of the Rebirth right. and read for a few issues and then decide, am I going to 
am I going to keep it, you know, going, you know, how's the story going? Do I like it? Do I not like it? You know, whatever. Yep. Um, so <laughs> there's a lot. I just, yeah, I pared down a lot. It was like, no, 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 no. Yes. Yes. No, no. You know, so, mm-hmm. and the fact that they're every, you know, they're twice a month. Uh, my box fills up a lot and it gets expensive. So, <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> so, true. <laughs> so, uh, for the new issue, I've never read a ton of Deathstroke, honestly, you know, um, never been one of those big bad guys that I like to read. I know about him. You know, one of my favorite stories has Deathstroke in it, which is Identity Crisis, where he's protecting right. um, uh, Dr. Light. And he's totally and, awesome in that storyline. So sweet. I mean, it's like I didn't even know a lot of background about him, like too much. I knew he was in the Teen Titans villain, but you didn't know right. what his actual powers were. And right. they you didn't have to know anything about him, but he was badass in that. In that, he was awesome. And that whole point where, like, part of the Justice League are holding on to him and they jab the arrow in his eye. You're just like, whoa, man, that's brutal. I mean, if spoiler alert, well, not a spoiler. How old is Identity Crisis? Twelve, fifteen years. Yes, uh, like that. Something like that. It's where you know he kills Firestorm by shoving a sword in the middle of that reactor. Oh, right, chest. right, right. And that was yeah, like the that, original Ronnie Raymond's. Yeah. Firestorm at the time before. And it wasn't, and they didn't even make like a big deal out of it. You know, it was like, uh, tell the professor goodbye. Boom. You know, (laughs) so that was about my extent of, uh, Deathstroke, honestly, was, uh, from that story, some Teen Titans stuff, but really it was just, I didn't know too much about him. So when they have the, the rebirth that came out, I thought, okay, it's cool. It's a great opportunity to read up on him. You know, I've played all of the, Arkham video games, so Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, uh, Arkham Origins, and then Arkham Knight, and uh, he appears in some of them, you know, as a character. Uh, yeah. Some you have to fight in, in the DC Universe Online. You have to fight him uh, in one of the quests you do. So, I, like I said, knew a little bit about him, but I thought, well, cool. What a, what a great jumping off point to uh, learn about him. Um, so this is DC Universe Deathstroke number one. Not Rebirth number one, just number one. Yeah, Deathstroke number – well, DC Universe Rebirth, Deathstroke one, but it's not Rebirth one. Yes. That's the confusing yep. thing. I go back yeah, and look at both titles and I was like, okay, which one was the Rebirth one and which one was – Right, right. Like, it's uh, it. interesting because I'm like, where am I? Yeah. Um, so this is written by um, Priest, wrote the story. Christopher Carlo, Priest did uh, yeah, a little Chris, bit of Black Panther. Right, yeah, that's I did look up because I didn't recognize his name. So, yeah. but he's now writing for DC. So, yeah, yeah. Carlo Pagulion to the pencils again. Any names I butcher, I apologize. Um, Jason Paz inks, Jeremy Cox color, and then uh, Willie Schubert is the letters. Then he goes into the covers was uh, uh, Carlo Pagulion, Jason Paz, and Romulo Fiardo Jr. And then of course Deathstroke created by Mal, uh, Marv Wolfman and George Perez. Two of the guys I actually love, um, but I just never read a bunch of, you know, Deathstroke. So, uh, first off, Deathstroke on the cover of this one, really a lot sleeker, you know, than you, you usually see. Usually he's got more armor on. Um, right. This is, you know, pretty sleek. Ravager shown up top. She does not appear in this story. So, so yeah, basically it starts with here. Here's my big thing. I'm going to get up on my little uh, soapbox here again. The industry needs to remember comic books are escapism. That's what I, that's, I, I want to be entertained in a story. That's my caveat off the back. So beginning, it says uh, a guy shows up and there's this delivery guy and it says uh, sign here, Congressman Has- uh, Hasgrove. Uh, and you hear a news story in the background. 
in the news story saying, in an amazing turn of events, Americans for Peace, a new super PAC, has pledged $4 million to an independent challenger to Congressman Dennis Hasgrove's district, uh, 5th district seat, which will split the Democratic vote, virtually guaranteeing Republican Hasgrove's re-election. The super PAC has miraculously revived Hasgrove's campaign, which had previously been on the ropes due in part to Hasgrove's blocking congressional authorization for U.S. military intervention in an American despot, Matthew Bland's ethnic genocide. Needless to say, it should now be smooth selling for Hasgrove, while the one-sided slaughter continues overseas. Here's my note. Don't bring politics into comics. I don't want to read it. I'm inundated with it on the TV right now, day in, day out, on my Facebook, all these posts. I I think that's what threw me off a little bit. Yeah. I I, I like the stuff that wasn't I want to read comics entertainment. I read the Rebirth issue, and they had a little bit of that in there, and that threw me off a little. I'm like, okay, my brain's starting to hurt. It it was yeah, and it's because, and I'm not going to, here's my thing, uh, political views aside, I'm I'm more of a righty than a lefty, I guess. And DC Comics, some of the writers are more to the left. Like we had this discussion with Green, Lant- uh, Green Arrow with his first issue, you know, and it was like, you guys, if you're going to put political sides in there, put both sides of it. You know, don't paint it one side or the other's evil, bad, is, is, is I guess what I'm saying, because off the back, I'm like... So basically you're telling me there's a Republican senator who allows genocide going on. That's really what it tells me. And then what happens while the news story is saying it, he signs for the package, he opens them up, he goes and he walks off the balcony, he lands on a car and it shows the pictures floating. And, you know, the pictures that he's in shows him in some uh, basically uh, 50 shades of gray stuff. Basically yeah. he's there with the collar. <laughs> span. It's like, okay, so, what I want you to do now is give me the next issue. Give me a Democrat doing the same thing. Don't just, you know, you've kind of set the tone for me. And regardless if you disagree or agree with that political view, it shouldn't be in a comic book is what I'm saying. It's a comic. Let's let's have fun. Now, the rest of the story is actually really great. I mean, it yeah. really is. It was just that first page. I'm like, oh, come on. Um, but basically, I had to read it twice to understand what was going on. Have you read this one? Number with Kenilworth, one, and he goes back and forth. I'm so not basically, 100% sure. I, I either picked up just oh, the Rebirth or the first first one after sure. that, but I don't recall. Well, the reason it's kind of confusing, that's why I'm not really going to explain it, because it's confusing to explain unless you read it. Um, the bad guy in this is Time Master. Wait, did I say Time Master? Is it the correct name for him? Hold on. No, it's – isn't it Clock? Captain Clock? Clock King. King or Clock King. Yeah, yeah, Clock King. I'm going to say Time Master. It's Clock King. So the reason why it's hard to explain is because it flashes back and forth throughout the whole issue. What makes it such a good comic is the way they did it. It goes really well. Basically, you go back to when Slade Wilson, who was Deathstroke, was just a soldier. Now, Slade Wilson's background, um, mainly he was a soldier, was given a serum. Um, he's able to use, you know, they try to say, you know, humans only use 10% of their brain. He's able to use 90%. Right. It's not true, by the way. Well, that didn't work out so good. Did you ever see that movie (laughs) with uh, Scarlett Johansson? Oh, Johansson, Lucy. (laughs) Yeah, she kind of blew up at the end. So it didn't really work out all that well. Yeah, no. Um, But anyway, so it goes back to Slade when he was a soldier, and he has a partner. And then his partner is kind of who he started out with, really kind of doing mercenary work for. Um, I'll have to look up you know, later on to see more about this guy, because it was an interesting enough story that I'm going to keep Deathstroke. I, I, I'm actually interested enough just from this to go, 
I, I want to see where this goes because it was an interesting story. Well, one, um, his name probably is, be, one thing that sorry to interrupt, but one thing that probably be said is Slade Wilson is not the greatest father in the world. <laughs> no, he is not. <laughs> so so his partner, uh, Wintergreen, they're discussing how they're supposed to go to find a place to uh, find somebody. Basically, they've got a map, whatever. There is a picture that shows Slade Wilson. In the exact pose as Lee Harvey Oswald, you know, the famous black and white photo. <laughs> so there's a picture of Slade like that. So, uh, but the funny thing is it says, who was Slade Wilson? Decorated war hero? Question mark. Devoted husband? Question mark. And these are all sort of pictures of him. Loving father? Question mark. You know, and it goes through just kind of a little bit of background. They, you see kind of in a photo montage of who Slade was. Looks like his, uh, wife or somebody i think it's his wife got her throat slashed he's getting injected with the serum and so forth and then it goes to uh, clock king and he's got a guy who was the guy in charge of the is basically the despot committing genocide clock king has him trapped in some form of clock <laughs> that's like yeah, a digital kind of clock I actually yeah so i actually like a, did did read this one and yeah the, so it looks and like isn't a rack the clock and he's king like you can't really kill him but his goal was to kill him but he can go, he's takes time. And, can, and yeah, so basically what happens is Slade is supposed to be there to, he was paid to rescue this despot who was paid to kill Clock King. There's a double cross, double cross, double cross. That's the other thing that makes the thing, the story interesting, but then also the time travel back and forth, the flashbacks back and forth. I'll say this, the art is great. Clock King, though, my first thought was Captain Boomerang almost. So when you look at the... Yeah. <laughs> you look he's at him really and really old in there too. Well, he, he's first at, he's young. And then you find oh, out that, right. Remember when he gets shot. Yeah. He goes, that's not really me. And, and Slade's partner goes, well, I know you're supposed to be here because you're going to be near your oxygen tank. So finally he gets shot and you see the actual clock King. Who's an old man, but he's able to put out a hologram of himself because he's messing with people's minds and time basically. Cause Slade's partner, this winter green got kidnapped so Slade goes in to rescue him, and it's been about a year is what they figure. Um, but then it has a flashback to where him and Wintergreen are younger and go out on some secret mission because Slade's wife is a retired special agent. And then, you know, she says, I want a divorce or whatever. But then it goes back to present time to where he's there to save his old friend. Uh, fight ensues. So Slade saves the despot, the guy. And they're talking about Hasgrove had been paid off by this despot to not fight against him. But then he killed himself because Slade knew. So Slade double-crossed the congressman who had been paid by this despot. You know, it's a it's a weird interlocking story, but it makes sense yeah. when you actually read it rather than me trying to describe it. But they do a good job of the flashbacks and the double-cross, 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 and then Slade rescuing his friend, basically. And uh, a funny part about it, though, is at the end, this wintergreen was talking about how he thought he was still in a – a hallucination because that's how clock King had kept him. Right. Um, and he goes, how many times I've said Kenilworth, our distress code, like a bloody moron to every creeping soul. I only allowed myself to be taken because I was certain you'd come for me. Where the bloody hell were you? And Kenilworth is English is British. I think with Deathstroke, they might try to make him like Deadpool because he goes, where the hell were you? He goes golfing mainly. And then Kenilworth goes, really? How's your stroke coming along? And he goes, eh, still about eight over par. And he goes, it's your terrible swing plane. A five wood is not a bloody machine gun. And then there's the, the, the clothing at the end of it is where basically this guy who was hired to help them out, but to hide a body, somebody else was hunting them down. 
uh, finds fake dead body of Slade, who was supposedly hired to be killed by somebody else. So it's it's a really intricate story. That's why I had to read it two times yeah. to go like, what did I just read? But the second time after kind of knowing the layout and reading again, I was like, oh, this is actually really, really interesting. So on that note, I do recommend you guys getting Deathstroke. And again, my only my only complaint was the very first page. I was like, come on, get you. I, I want escapism. I want the action. I want the adventure. And don't make one team look worse than the other over time, because it's in reality. There's there's both of them. You know, you know they all they're all terrible. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. so that's my thought on it. The art, though, I always go back to the art was great. You know, it had some uh, uh, the panels was done really well. The colors really good for me when I always look at art and coloring. Uh, I'm colorblind. So the art and the color stands out really well for me on these. So and it made for me someone who wasn't a big Deathstroke reader want to read more Deathstroke. So. So that's my that was my issue of the new one. So well, they did what they were supposed to do then. Yeah, which is get you interested and want to keep reading it. Totally. Yeah. So, yep. And for supposedly for the long-time fans, go like old school. Right. Which the only thing that I really remember, the Jeff John Teen Titans from, I don't know, that was 10, 15 years ago or whatever. Deathstroke was all over those. Yeah. Yeah, and especially at the beginning. And there was one scene, if I remember correctly, uh, Wintergreen was his best friend. Okay. And at the end of one of the issues, uh, I can't remember which one, he had like heads of like he was Hunter and heads of all the kills that he made the deer, bear, and then Wintergreen's head was on the wall. Nice. I nice. don't know what that was all about. Well, didn't they in the new 52 have him controlling the Teen Titans? He became a good guy. I, I didn't. I remember really seeing something like that going, I mean, yeah. Because truly, back there in the, the book we were talking to, previously the, the identity crisis he was yeah. a villain oh totally was straight up yeah he was because when the villains got together he was part of it well it's because he was a gun for hire they paid him you know dr right. light paid him to protect him so yeah and now he sort of has a gray area i yeah. don't know how good or how so basically like any mercenary where there's money he'll you know so yeah yep very cool so i guess we're on to my new book and i just have to mention i had a little uh Twitter rant earlier today. Uh oh, about I didn't see it. This book I'm going to talk about. It, it's okay. There's a couple people that commented. I was on my way to work this morning and I said, ah, you know, I really like this book. I'm going to just do a search, you know, for podcasts and see what some of the other people because because uh, the book I'm going to do is Doom Patrol number one. Wait, is the Grant Morrison one? No, the Doom Patrol number one that was just released last week. Oh, you know, I've got that sitting on my table. I was like, because you've done Doom Patrol before, oh, but it was awesome. No, 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 no. It was on our older podcast, I think. Maybe? Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. you did the Morrison so, stuff, which is awesome. So, so yeah. <laughs> is it going to be a problem if I spoil some stuff, or would you rather? No, no, no. no go ahead, go ahead, man. No, you can spoil it. We are I'll, a spoiler I'll, podcast. I'll, I'll, okay, I'll keep it. No, spoil away, man. Seriously, okay. I got. I'll read it. Okay. Well, the rant it. was that I listened to. I listened to a podcast it's called waiting for doom and basically they're a doom patrol podcast and these guys delved into this book loved it they they gave conspiracy theories they gave opinions on what they thought on different panels and it was great so i was saying i'll listen to some other people's opinions and i do that occasionally and i come across this podcast i won't even mention the name because it's not worth mentioning um 
and they all four of them on there said we're reviewing reviewing do troll number one said i don't understand it it sucked it was terrible and the 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 second guy said yeah it was terrible it was dumb and then they went right down the line and i'm like do you even know what you're talking about (laughs) way to be gentle the source material (laughs) that's what it was it was the source material because there's a mention in the book of Danny the Street, and they didn't uh-huh. even know who that was. And that's my biggest problem. Oh, my gosh. If you're going to review something and you don't know the source material right. and you, everybody hates it, why would you review it? <laughs> I mean, it's not like, you know, you're doing a write-up with an explanation. You're doing a podcast explanation, but you don't explain anything. You spend like a minute on it, and you said, oh, yeah, that's terrible. You don't right. – uh, it just burnt me up, so that was my Twitter rant. <laughs> did you make him mad? Did you get blocked? Did they, did uh, they... He didn't respond, but other people were agreeing with on if they did that. And they were really bashing the writer, saying, oh, he's it? terrible. It's uh, Gerard Way. Okay. So it's obviously, like, like you said, they have no says, I don't like his – this is the biggest thing. I don't like his band, Chemical Romance. So oh, I'm right. not going to like his writing. Yeah, so, that's, that that makes sense. You know, didn't he get a Gerard? He got was it IDW a few years ago? They had yeah, a comic. Yeah, uh, I can't remember. It was a popular. Right. So I yeah. thought it was like the name just sounds familiar. Then you're like Mike McCormick. Yeah, I probably like, yeah, he had, it up. But, yeah. but yeah, this book is done by Gerard Way. Nick Darrington does the art, and Tamara Bond villain. In in the book, I don't know which which uh, book that you got, but does it have a big old gyro on the front? Uh, I think Zero so. I'd have to look at my pile. Let me look here real quick. Gerard Way, he wrote um, true the True Lives of the Fabulous Killjoys. That's what it was. So sorry, I had to look that up. Yeah. Because I was like, what did he write? It was something else too. Some Academy. Oh, he wrote um, Umbrella Academy. Yeah, Umbrella Academy. That's yep. right. Uh, let me see here. I gotta go through my pile here. Yeah, this is important. It's really important. Yeah, no, I'm just keep talking, man. I'm just going okay. through. It's like, what cover? Now, it's a big old gyro or hero or you know the Greek. Yeah, I got it right here. Yeah, big old. You can peel. We'll call it gyro. The, the gyro off to like another universe. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. So going into this book, anybody that's reading this for the first time has no history on this. You will not understand anything. Be, <laughs> you need to read some old Doom Patrol, preferably. Lost. Grant Morrison's run, just because I'll always recommend that. Basically, <laughs> I'm not going to go in deep spoilers. Right. I think uh, you, know, you should get some enjoyment out of this first issue. Okay. Or think, oh, it's terrible. It's garbage. But no, it, the main character guy? is uh, this girl, Casey Brink, who's a heck of a ambulance driver. And at the beginning, it's like she's having this conversation, and she's like, have I been having this conversation to myself the whole time and she's like talking to herself and they're headed to the hospital and she's jumping over little hills to get to the hospital uh they arrive to the hospital and then there was a little small talk between her and her uh paramedic uh the one odd thing about her it's going to be odd there are going to be a lot of odd things the the one thing i'll bring up she says when i was a little girl my mother told me to be be a bright light in a black hole just before she flew in the sun. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like Doom Control stuff. <laughs> he 
says, he says, my son is really cool. He's really into heavy metal, loves skateboarding. Just a little out there for some people. But I'm all he's got. What about his mom? His mother? Oh, she joined a cult about four years ago. Was it so, called the New 52? Oh, so, sorry. So, <laughs> and, uh, this, the paranetic guy, and Sam is his name. He's eating a gyro. And apparently there's another universe in this gyro. And you see Robot Man and a couple other people. And weird things happen. And the gyro ends up blowing up in the trash can. Which is kind of odd. And then they get this call. They get this call that um, somebody got hit by a car. So they head out. And you see a scene where it's obviously somebody's calling for Danny and a bunch of rocks. And it actually has a guy with a Hawaiian shirt. And I don't know if you read the last incarnation of the Doom Patrol with Giffen. I did, yes. Yes. And uh, they were on Oolong Island. Oh, and, uh, it's obviously uh, Danny the Street. Who, nice. And then you see Niles Calder, which is that's another weird scene. I'll let you uh, read that one. But <laughs> but the paramedic and the girl they arrive where there's supposedly a hit and run, and there's nobody there. And then all of a sudden they see Robot Man out in the middle of the street, and he gets hit by a garbage truck full of stuffed animals, <laughs> and he goes into pieces and. What happens is she collects the... They have another scene in here. It looks like some aliens, and they want some meat. <laughs> I'll let you read that one. It's kind of weird. It looks like they're after Danny the Street, who I don't know if he's... He's no longer a street. You know, he was a street in the, the Grant Morrison incarnation. Yeah, Morrison's run, yep. <laughs> but And he was sort of like a hut. In the Giffen one. Yeah, in the Giffen one, so... Casey arrives to her apartment with a box full of Robot Man, and her roommate is there, and he is a jerk. He tells her that she hasn't paid her half the rent, and why you have all this junk, you need to take it out to the trash. Apparently she has a cat named Lucian. Doesn't everybody have a cat named Lucian? (laughs) Gotta put it in the basket. And this is the best part. I'll spoil this. I don't really want to, but I'll spoil this. Sure. So there's a knock on the door. The roommate, who looks like he works at a donut shop shop because he has a hat with a donut on it, it looks like. And he says, now, who the hell is this? And he opens the door. It's this girl in this dancer outfit that has a little mask on and a little, like, old-style McDonald's-type hat. And she's tap dancing. And she says, I really want to let me introduce myself. I'm really quite a pip. I've sailed across the universe on a galactic ship. I've heard that it's your special day. Let me really make a stink. Salutations to you. Happy birthday, Casey Brink, says the girl. But it isn't her birthday. But when she says happy birthday, Casey Brink, the uh, roommate blows up. (laughs) 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 She blows him up. Wow. The girl is in a full page panel. And she has Robot Man's old jacket on from the Grant Morrison run. Wow. And she says, it's not my birthday. And piece of, pieces of her roommate, it just <laughs> looks like, it looks like pink ice cream. Is right. feeling, it's, it's, it's falling everywhere. And the girl's like, wow, what a mess. That's never really happened before, but it's very interesting. Oh my gosh. So. Wow. And basically they figure out Robot Man. His brain is still intact and it's nutrients. <laughs> and 
and then there's another scene where something happens at some place where I couldn't even tell you where it is. You almost have to read it for yourself. As I said, if you're reading this and want to, an explanation, that's not how this works. It doesn't... It's Doom Patrol. <laughs> doesn't I mean, do, there, there's a payoff at some point on something. Right. At least Grant Morrison had a payoff on some things, and some things you had no clue what it meant, and you it was never explained to you. Yeah. But at the end here, you see a brick who uh, must be Danny the Brick now, and it says, <laughs> I'm sorry. And it looks nice. like it came th- crashing through a window and hit some alien-type dude in the head. <laughs> Yeah, I'll have to read that this evening. So, but so awesome. This, so you're gonna keep reading it? Oh yes. Yeah, good. <laughs> I thought it was really good. See, I think that it's different. You know, we don't have a lot of different Comics. things like this right. with with characters that I really like. Because it looks like there's right. going to be well, Robot Man and uh, Flex Mentallo. From Morrison's run, which I don't know too much about him, but oh, you got it because you got to get you know because they finally released a few years back. They actually released the Flex Mentallo. Oh, that's right, novel. That's right. Yeah, it's it's awesome, dude. It's great. I'll hop on my uh, Morrison fanboy again because I am uh, read Flex Mentallo. It's awesome. <laughs> so there's a two-page at the end of the book. There's a two-page description of how Gerard Way came to be writing the Doom Patrol and came to be doing this new imprint called DC's Young Animal, which basically is basically is what the Vertigo was, because they're releasing right. a bunch of different books. There's a preview yep. to Shade the Changing Girl. Yep. I was just gonna and, start talking about that. That's awesome. So yeah. Yeah, and and everything, you know, you like Doom Patrol, you're gonna like these other books that are coming yeah. out. So basically with DC's Young Animal, Gerard Way is writing Doom Patrol. He's also writing another one called Cave Carson Has a Cybernetic Eye. And uh, it says a psychedelic adventure below the earth, through the mind, and beyond reality. And the, this is a splash page inside of uh, the Deathstroke comic. And then you have Mother Panic. And that says, meet Violet Page, a celebrity heiress by day and Gotham's, Gotham City's brutal vigilante at night. Um, and then the one you said, Shade. The Changing the now, there was Changing a Shade the Changing Man series from Vertigo right around the Doom Patrol time of Grant yeah. Morrison, and it was done by Peter Milligan. I do have an issue of that, the first issue on Comixology that I have not read. Well, and here's the thing I hope they do with this young animal thing is we, we've seen DC do this before where it's, hey, let's let's go ahead and launch some obscure titles, you know, push them. You know, it's... um. With the new 52, you know, they had Dial H for Hero, which I thought was wonderful. And then it got canceled. You know, it was, you know, they did it again because it was an old, old comic before. And uh, they ended it. And then they did that with, like, uh, the Haunted Tank, you know. Um, right, GI, yeah. It was GI Combat and the Haunted Tank. Uh, but then they canceled it, you know. So it's like, uh, I think it's kind of cool with Gerard Way, you know. Everybody says, oh, Rockstar. It's cool, though, that he's willing to write something like Doom Patrol. And from what it sounds like, it's awesome. Because I'm like, Doom Patrol is hard to write. Because it's so weird, and you can't write it just to be weird. You've got to make it interesting, you know. So that's why even you know, Morrison's and then Giffen's, they both did great jobs with Doom Patrol because it's such a far out of place from anything normal that we read. Um, it's interesting that they had Gerard Way do that. So 
Um, so hopefully with this young animal, they keep it going. And one of the bigger things that I didn't really mention is there is a lot of characterization in this book, in the middle of this book, with this Casey Brick, who sounds like she's going to put the Doom Patrol together, or they're going to be attracted to her, or something like that. But you do find out a good deal about her personality, about what makes her tick, about her background is like nuts. The guy that she works with, I don't know if he's going to be around, but he seems kind of interesting. Now she has this new roommate. Now I've heard some theories, particularly about the roommate, is just to guess who she might be. Because she introduced herself as Terry Nunn, and someone mentioned... And it was on, I believe it was on the Waiting for Doom podcast. It was, hey, what if that's one of Crazy Jane's personality? Oh, nice. Well, that would be cool. <laughs> That'd be awesome. That, that would be cool. That would be cool. So there's, I'll have to let you read it, but there's another, there's another mention in there that it sounds like it's coming from Crazy Jane when Cliff is in the gyro world universe. Right. So. That's awesome. I'll have to read it tonight, man. That sounds so cool. So it was funny the other day when I picked up my comics, I wasn't even thinking about uh, Doom Patrol at all. I just happened to see it. I was like, oh, I didn't know they had a new one coming out. So, yeah. (laughs) If you'd like to contact us, which nobody has yet. (laughs) You never call. My uh, the uh, email is gothamnight13 at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at at too old too new. I'm at gothamnight13. Um, Seth is at Seth must die. Yep. Seth must die. It's a good rule to live by. (laughs) Until next time, we'll discuss two more, two new books, two old books, and hopefully it won't be that long of a delay. Right. Sounds good. (laughs) All right. We will see you later.